Growing your business is tough, but don't worry, we've got you covered. We interview industry experts on how they've solved their most challenging business problems in SaaS or e-commerce. No fluff, just step-by-step playbooks to help you dominate your market and crush the competition. This is the How We Solve podcast. Here's your host. Kevin, welcome to the show. Really do appreciate you coming to that. Kevin, you are the head of marketing at Oyster. Yes. I'm glad you're here, man. So what are we talking about today? How to grow and scale a marketing team. I had a chance to do that at Buffer, which is social media management software. It was a great run and then switched gears. I worked at Poly, which is a social team engagement app in Slack Teams. And now at Oyster, so growing a team here. So I've had a, a chance to do it a couple of times in the past. Now, after doing it the first time, what are some of the lessons learned? What was the biggest thing you're like, not doing that again? The experiences are so different, I think. Buffer had a very different investment thesis from like a budget perspective. And so a lot of that was, how do you scale a team sustainably without necessarily adding headcount? And then switching to Poly and, and Oyster, we're VC-backed businesses. And so there's more resources. And the constraint there is speed and scale and how fast can you grow? And so in that sense... You know, headcount is one of the big ways to solve that. And so it's like very different challenges. So at Buffer, you might solve it through SEO, which is a channel that scales a bit more sustainably without having to continue to add more folks. Um, at Oyster, at Poly, you can kind of think a bit broader about the channel strategy there that apply hiring. So like apples and oranges. And I imagine people have those different experiences based on the company that you're in. Very cool. So now we have a question here. Somebody's trying to apply for a position as a customer service agent at LTU Plus. Reach out to Milka. She's our HR representative. I can try to get your her email after offline here. But yeah, thank you for the interest. Really do appreciate it. We're always hiring and we're always scaling the teams. And so thanks for the interest. Really do appreciate it. I think one thing that's true in our business is we really are always hiring. Right, Chef? And that was really one of my learnings was I thought once I hired someone, I was done and could take a breather. But no, you got to start the next one. You got to keep that pipeline always up. You have to. I actually learned that and my first startup, I remember somebody approached me about a sales job and I was like, I reached out to them. I said, like, hey man, if they're the right person, they're going to add value and they're just going to help the company grow. And that's the thought price I've always had now. It's like, if you run across somebody or just be looking for the right person, you're absolutely 100% right there, Mark. Because it takes some time and then it's like, now is the perfect timing and so on and so forth. So, but I think there's a couple of different ways that I've seen that you can go about it. It's a discrete window of time where we're opening the roles today. We're closing applications in a week. We're starting first round interviews a week after that. And we're going to make a decision two months from now or however long that period is. And you have this, this window that you hire roles for. And then you have this other one, which is like an ongoing, yeah, then rolls up now. As soon as we find someone great, we'll bring them in and close the role or see where we're at when that time comes. And so like switching tracks, like we did the first one at Buffer. We did the second one, the last two places that I've been. It's like a totally different perspective on things. Not that one's better than the other. I think one of the risks of having kind of that constant hiring process is that you might lack clarity on the process itself. I think there's some risk there and you always need great people. So keep your eyes open. That's a great point. But even if you hired somebody, it's like the right person for your team, but not necessarily in the best role. Do you ever find yourself just switching the role a little bit? It's a good question. I'd be curious what your perspective is. I think for me, the right person can be quite subjective, which scares me. I don't know my own biases. I don't really know why it feels right. And so I try to base it more on, this is what we believe the role is that we need. These are some of the objective characteristics of this role. This person 
checks these boxes, so to speak. And then, yes, come on board. I'm a bit more open to like moving people around within the team who are, have already been hired and been around for a while. Like, that's more where I, I flex. But typically in the hiring process, I try to keep it as objective as possible. You're smarter than I am, that's for sure. <laughs> I don't know about that. I made more mistakes, maybe. <laughs> like they have the right personality kind of. I'll have hired people that I know, that I work with, that are committed to either the relationship I have with them or committed to the company. And then some ways that even if they're not in the right role, often I can move around a little bit to kind of adjust the role to fit them in. And I've had great luck with that. Like it's worked out great for me. That's just my personality though. I just trust and then just kind of go. And hiring, there's so much risk in it in general. Like I think one of the ways to reduce risk is to bring in known commodities in a way. And I, I think that's that solves for that risk in one way. But I've, I've hired folks that I've known before too. And I always wonder like, am I missing out on someone else that I don't know or would have never known if I had gone through this process or looked in this channel or posted the job here? And so if you have that option, I think that's also a great way to do it. Someone gave me the advice once that if you have to scale fast, like you're in a new role, you need to build a team right away. Bring in a few folks you know to get the fires put out get your head of a water a little bit, but then begin laying those foundations for expanding your hiring pool and putting the hiring process in place as you scale the team like long term. So that's always been helpful because I've always felt like there's always a trade-off there in a way. Who do you know you say no to? That's a great point, right? Which brings us to one of the points you talked about building and head six to nine months, really planning like who you're going to be hiring, how you're going to be scaling. And in thinking ahead, I'll speak for myself here, like, this was key in building out a lot of these sales channels and, and marketing channels for myself when we started. So like, especially with Captain Systems, I remember the company you start with today is not going to be the same company that we're going to be at three, six, nine months. It's going to be evolving and growing. And so kind of head that way, hiring the people that you're going to need in six to nine months. So like, such a great point. Not as often as we should think about doing Absolutely. If you think of someone you need today, you have to list the role, you have to collect applicants, you got to go through the interview process. You choose someone, and they have to give notice, then they have to onboard, then they have to ramp up. So if you don't look six months ahead, you'll be like six months behind. The struggle is like, what's the company going to look like six months from now? What are my needs going to be six months from now? Like that crystal ball is a bit harder always for me to predict. So when you calculate the ramp up time into those six to nine months or because in my head I've always done it like I almost forget about the ramp up period it's plus six months on top of it right? which frees to the nine months period right almost a year ahead I try to I mean I usually forget about onboarding too I'm just like oh cool we found someone great here's all the things you need to do from day one so yeah I think there is a window there if you can plan a year out that's fantastic and amazing and typically you might plan a year out knowing what are your revenue projections? Where do you expect the business to be 12 months from now? If you need it to be a certain other in a certain different trajectory, like maybe if you're wanting to fundraise, you're wanting to attack a market in a certain way, like, then you need to start laying those foundations today in order to be at that point where you need to be a year from now. And that might be new channel operators. It might be new leaders on the team. So yeah, working back from some sort of goal is typically the way I get most confidence in who we need to hire next. Yeah, which you brought up a little bit of systemizing, which is actually one of our second point here is systemize the process wherever possible. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I'm a big fan of systems. Someone always told me you should have systems before processes. And so I'm always trying to just phrase them as systems. And I think within those systems, there are different processes. If you think of like strategy and tactics, 
So within the systems, one of the big things that we do is have playbooks for each step of the process. So what this looks like is the goal within that system is that everyone has a consistent hiring experience from stage to stage. And so we have a discrete set of interview questions that we ask at the initial team fit interview, which is talking to the hiring manager about. There's a role fit interview. There's an exercise. Everyone gets the same exercise. And there's like a leadership interview at the end where you meet, depending on the size of the company, the CEO or the co-founders or the head of marketing or whoever. So having a same set of questions for each stage is helpful for consistency. I think it's also helpful for speed. As an interviewer, you don't have to brainstorm, what am I going to ask this person when I hop on a call with them? It's set for you. It's templatized. There's a system in place that you just have to show up in and run it through. So I think that's one aspect of it. Another piece is that there's some guardrails in place to avoid some bad hires. If you hire someone and they don't work out, like you just lost so much time and energy. That's what keeps me up at night is like, what if I hire the wrong person? And you do hire the wrong people, like it happens. Hopefully your batting average is decent. Probably really good for a batting average. Like if you're doing 7 out of 10, that'd be a fantastic batting average. But there are going to be people who don't work out. Like how can you minimize the number of folks who don't work out? So what that might look like is taking the time at the start of the process to really understand what is this role that I'm hiring for? What characteristics are going to lead to success in this role? What are we going to ask this person to do? And then what experience do we need to look for in order to give us the best predictors? It's hard to have that conversation when you want to move so fast, but it saves you so much pain over the long haul. And then the last thing in terms of moving fast, sometimes we switch to an asynchronous process for some of the interview stages. I've always been on remote distributed teams. We work asynchronously all the time. And so we want to test someone's comfort in that world, but also having an asynchronous interview lets us see how they communicate in that way. It gives us something we can share out with the teams. So they can all get to know this person without having to be like in a 10-person group interview or something like that. So it helps speed the process along, get everyone up to speed faster. Yeah, no, we recently started doing that more with LTV Plus and it's worked on great. It's helped out because everybody's on their own schedule or even in our meetings and our KPIs, stuff like that. I know our CEO, GQ, he started doing like reviewing the KPIs before, which is like part of the EOS program and things like this. Like, it's really cool. I think processes nest within systems. And so you want to have an overall hiring system, which speaks more to like how you want to hire. What are the attributes of your hiring that you want to be true for your company? Maybe it's speed, maybe it's responsiveness, maybe it's diversity, equity, inclusion, maybe it's any number of different things that you want to be true. And then you can take that system you can build the different processes to fit within that system. I think oftentimes those terms are used interchangeably at companies, which is fine. Like it's kind of semantics at a certain stage. But I think the important thing is that you recognize there does need to be kind of this higher level reasoning behind what you're doing. And whether you call that systems, whether you call that strategies, whatever you call it is fine. But as long as you have that piece plus the actual bones of the thing that you're building, that plays well together, typically. I love that. It's like having objectives versus just like KPIs, right? Like, why are we doing it? And then having the steps behind it to actually get it achieved. Exactly. You say that across market, you have objectives, you pair with key results, you have strategies, you pair with tactics. Like, I think maybe it's just those marketers think that way. Like, you have to know the why in order to figure out the how. So I think similar when you come to the systems and processes for your teams. That's cool, man. And, you know, I know there's other pieces that we want to talk about, but so far in looking at how you scale your marketing team, it sounds like a lot of it is, yeah, you want to have, like you said, the systems and the processes in place. And it really kind of comes down to getting the right people, making sure you're planning ahead, like you said, in six months, 
systemizing where you can, but it's a lot of building a team and having the right people in the right seat. It is, yeah. When I joined Oyster, I had two initiatives, which was to focus on awareness and to focus on positioning. And I was like, oh yeah. And then the third one, which is hiring. And I took that as hiring is a constant. That's always going to be something I'm doing. So understood. But then yes, you do have these other things that you're working on with your team. Today, it's awareness and positioning. Tomorrow might be pipeline and lead gen. The next day, it might be campaigns, category, like those things can change, but I think hiring is a constant layer. And so just recognizing that as a marketing leader and someone who's building a team is a useful step. And again, it won't be true for every company. Like if your budget constraint, I think the conversation switches from hiring to resource management, which is also a really fun challenge to unlock. But there's always something there around resources, whether it's people resources or other ways you might think about it, if it's sustainable channels or agencies or tools or like whatever your team needs. It's a really fun challenge to solve, I think, as a marketing leader. Yeah, it's how you're going to get it done. Where you can place the resources, like you said. I haven't been part of a funded business so far. You know, we got acquired, but like being able to have the research investment, that's why I found it so interesting. For you, it's hiring. For me, it's like, how do I make it happen with not hiring? What do I have to do to make this happen? What can you take on, right? Because that's at the end of the day what it is. Like with the resources that we have, how can we make that happen? For you, it's like, if you're funded, hire for it. If you're not funded, maybe don't take it on or like focus on when you can't control what's working and do more of that than you could hire and, and things like that. One of the pieces that was really new to me was the idea of using a talent firm to support that growth. That was so foreign to me because I was like, no, I don't want to pay someone to hire. Like I can do that. As I'm sure you know from hiring in the past, like hiring can take a lot of time in your day, like both to get everything set up, the job description, the ability to interviews and sourcing and all this stuff to actually doing the interviews too. Like there's a lot of work that goes into that. One of the ways that I've found the last couple of places I've been is if you can use a talent as a really big multiplier for your time and your speed and, and for the company. So I, I was hesitant to do that at first. Then the luxury of having it, it proved up to make a pretty big difference for us. That's so funny because I don't feel that way too. Like really going to hire somebody to kind of find people. It's like, we're super frugal when it comes to this stuff. So I can totally see myself in your shoes. You're like, okay, now I have a budget. What do I do with this? Well, like hire somebody to hire people. It's wild. I think this is going to be a personal thing, but I have control issues. Like, I think I just want to control the whole pipeline and the process from beginning to end. I'm like, I want to know everyone who's applied and just see that volume and get to know people. Like, and that's something I enjoy about hiring. Um, to like imagine what it might be like to work with these folks. And like, I miss out on all that. So I think selfishly, I was like, oh, I kind of want to be in there, but I know it's not maybe the best use of my time. It's like, be okay with letting go and just like focus on the systems and then trust the promises and the gifts. I'm a recovering control freak. I had to really kind of look at who gets involved, sales engineers, things like that. And going from that to like, I had to learn so much of just like back off, trust my team. Rely on my KPIs. You can't be at everything, unfortunately. Absolutely. Yeah. When I was at Buffer, I started there in like an individual contributor role and then worked toward people management and leadership eventually. We had this concept of giving away your Legos, which is this idea. As you scale, you need to learn how to give away things to other folks to play with. You can't scale yourself if you're holding on too tightly to everything. So I think growing in marketing leadership, that's been very true. Like, even though I want to do all this stuff, especially I came up through content. So I love writing blog posts, creating things. And I'm not good at it anymore, which is, which helps give it up. I still have that desire to do it. Recognizing if I'm going to get in the weeds there, I'm not going to be able to 
to do my job over here. And my people are going to feel empowered and capable of doing that work on their own. So it is tough to let go of that control hiring process too. But I think it is like a common theme for marketing leaders to have to reach that point at some time. Tough, man. Like you said, easier said than done. You have to rely on your KPI or your objectives and you have to trust your team. I think from going from an individual contributor to a leader, that definitely, that's the biggest learning curve. Yeah. The scary thing is, what am I not giving up that I don't realize I'm not giving up? I think that's what, the thought that keeps me up is like, does my team see me in places where they don't think I should be and I don't even know it? That's a blind spot that I always have to like suss out a little bit. I didn't deal with that. I guess the most effective way I found is if you have regular performance reviews with the company or regular feedback sessions, like give your team a, a channel to share that feedback anonymously or however they're comfortable sharing it, whether that's 360 reviews or however you set it up, just make sure they have a way to voice that so you can hear it. Yeah. You have to be the boss, but you also have to be approachable for them to trust you. And it is culture. I think overall, it's tough to do it like as an individual department or individual person, but it's really company-wide culture thing. One of the things that every organization I've been part of, we have town halls. We go through each department and then for most of them, we have a Q&A and we have open conversations about whatever. And some of the organizations that I've been part of had the best types of culture in my CDN. We had an amazing culture there where people really felt comfortable voicing their opinions about insurance, just random kind of like important things. And I think that will give the culture of being able to communicate if there's any challenges that come because then people feel safe. The other part is asking questions, like dig into what's going on. And it's finally just KPIs, man. I'm big with KPIs. So just to kind of summarize, man, a little bit of what I've heard so far. If you're looking to grow and scale a marketing team quickly, you want to plan ahead of 69 months. Really look at systems and create processes around those systems. So you want to basically have objectives, if you want to call them that, and then processes behind that are really support that system, and being able to just say, hey, let's put some money into hiring the right type of people and get it done quickly. Because really, for you to scale, based on what we've heard so far, it's really just finding the right people, putting them in the right seat, and then you can just take more on. Exactly right. Very cool. Very cool. Is there any resources you you want to share, any cool tools that help really kind of empower your team? Yeah. Yeah. When I think about team growth, so... My mind goes to the tools that we use at Oyster to work remotely and asynchronously together. So that's Slack, it's Notion, it's Google Docs, and it's Loom. Those are the four big ones. At Buffer, we use Dropbox Paper instead of Google Docs. I love Dropbox Paper. So if I could switch one tool out, it would be that one. But those four are kind of the big ones. They have your real-time chat, you have your wiki, you have your collaborative docs, and you have your video, your asynchronous video. The other ones for my personal learning, I've learned a ton through different Slack communities and through newsletters to learn a ton about how to hire. So some of the ones I've been a part of is the Reforge community. They're really great folks there. Do a lot around product growth and marketing. The product-led community, so they do a lot about PLG and have a lot of great training resources there. And there's this newsletter called MKT1. It's a Substack newsletter. I think one of their more popular ones is about how to build marketing or just series B marketing. I mean, that was super helpful. Then I just fell up with the other content that they have. There's a few favorites. That's cool. Great resources, man. I like that. Yeah. You're right. Having the right tools for the job. I don't know what we would do without Slack at this point. 
Yeah. Have you used Microsoft Teams before? I haven't. No, I haven't. Do you like it? Well, when I was at Poly, our product was in Slack and in Microsoft Teams. We were an app that, that fit into both ecosystems. So I got to use Microsoft Teams there. And it's like a whole different world. Like they're both, like Slack and Teams are both chat apps, but like totally different UI, totally different feels. It's like a totally different way to work, even though it's like the same way to work. So I feel like you're one of the others, like Coke or Pepsi at this point. <laughs> just, now I'm just curious to be quite honest. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. Very cool. Hey, Kevin, is there anything you want to pitch while we're here? Selfishly, we're talking about hiring, so I might pitch that Oyster is hiring. <laughs> so take advantage of it. I work at Oyster, which is this super cool company that's growing fast. We help companies hire folks from anywhere in the world, and our marketing team is growing. So you can check out the, the company at OysterHonor.com. Then our careers are listed at OysterHR.com slash careers. Very cool. So they want to hire, that's where they go. And what if they want to get in contact with you? Or can they get in contact with you? Yeah. So as you probably saw, my name is spelled a little differently, K-E-V-A-N-L-E-E, but that's my handle on all the social channels. So feel free to look me up there. Also, I have my own Substack, which I run. It's Kevin Lee, if you search Substack for it, or you should go to my website, which is www.kevinlee.com. And all the links are available there too. Very cool. Kevin, it's been a pleasure, man. Thanks for being part of my first official live. And man, it's truly an honor. Oh, well, thank you. I think it went great. Thanks so much, man. Is your e-commerce growing so fast that you can't keep up with supporting your customers in real time? Serve them better in any time zone and language. They will thank you with higher conversion rates and repeat purchases. We build and manage your own dedicated customer experience team of live chat and support agents. Get started today. Visit ltvplus.com. That's ltvplus.com. Thanks for listening to the How We Solve podcast. Dominate your market and crush the competition with our step-by-step playbooks. Subscribe right now in your favorite podcast player or visit howwesolve.com.